Well, we are beginning a three-week teaching series um, called Here, Near, and Far, um, the last, the, the least, and the lost, and uh, so that's what we're doing next couple of weeks, and excited about this. This is about our mission and our vision of how God is in, inviting us to engage the world. So uh, we're highlighting our mission. Our mission is very simple, and hopefully um, you've noticed it in the lobby. It's it's put pretty big type out there, um, helping people find and what? Follow Jesus. Yes, there we go. That's uh, that's our mission. We focus the scope of our mission around Acts one eight, in which Jesus um, says this: that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, it's like here, and all of Judea and Samaria, that was like near, and to the ends of the earth, which is like far. The early disciples of Jesus, um, they understood and they ended up um, experiencing that very reality, that uh, in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, that the witness of Jesus went forth in, in just one generation. The witness of Jesus went forth, and then we carry that on. Well, speaking of far, we have, <laughs> we have the team that was already mentioned going to Sheo, Guatemala here. And this animation will show you where it is. There's Guatemala, just south of Mexico. And the team flew into Atlanta, and then they are flying into Guatemala City, and then they will make their way um, through Guatemala to this small village called Sheo, Guatemala. There's them at the airport last night at PDX. And I got text this morning. They, they made it to Atlanta and they were getting on the plane for Guatemala City. And while we're here together, they may land in Guatemala City. And I'll let you know because I told them to text me. So, and yeah, do not disturb us on, but you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hear that one. Yeah. Um, very exciting uh, for what they will be doing in the village, helping to, um, uh, to implement water filtration systems uh, so there can be clean water in the village. If you want to learn more about our uh, effort in Sheo, Guatemala, there's a wall that is um, cleverly labeled Sheo. <laughs> <laughs> XEO. And there's a pamphlet on the wall that has a brochure that outlines food for the hungry and our mission and effort. There's a QR code that takes you to the documentary we made about the village a couple of years ago. Anyway, Jesus said that we would be his witness here, near, and far. The Greek word for witness here is martas. Everybody say martas. It's a Greek word that we've translated into English. Martha sounds a bit like martyr, doesn't it? Yeah. This is where we get our word martyr from. Martyr, one who would die for the sake of Jesus. And it is true that the ultimate expression of being a witness for the Lord would be to be a, a martyr, to die for our faith. Many historically have. Many around the world are subjected to that form of persecution. Now, dying for Jesus is a powerful witness to the work of Christ. He who did not kill for us, but died for us. Us who would not kill for him, but who would actually die for him. It says something profound to the world. I hope that I would be willing and able to die for my faith, for the name of Jesus, if need be. 
But we are not only witnesses in our martyrdom. We are also witnesses as we express the way of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the person of Jesus to the people around us. We express this to the people as we find them, as they are in the world. Everybody look at your neighbor and just say, "Uh, I'm not sure what to think about you. And then turn back to him and say, but Jesus loves you. So I guess I have to. I mean. (laughs) We are witnesses of Jesus when we love others because he first loved us. We are Jesus' witnesses when we reach out to the last, the lost, and the least. Those who are discarded by society, those who are overlooked, those who don't measure up, those who are not the winners in the terms of the world. And over the next three weeks, we will be introducing you into ways in which you can love a a broken world. Today, we'll think about the last. Would you stand with me? We're going to read these scriptures uh, together. I'll read the references, then we all read the text together. First one, Matthew 20, 11 through 16. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Hmm. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not the result of works, so that no one may boast. The word of the Lord. Mm. You can be seated. You're picking up from what Reed already introduced and then the passage that we read there, talking about Jesus' inverted way. So confession, I have a confession for you. You guys like it when I make confessions to you? Yes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so tell us more. (laughs) I was in a a focus group last week, which was uh, helping a doctoral candidate refine his inquiry into this question. Why are pastors not sustaining joy? Which is a commonly observed phenomenon. Um, Thousands of pastors every month are leaving the ministry in today's climate. So... I'm glad somebody smart is asking this question. Now, I am a pastor. I've been a licensed Foursquare pastor for 20 years. I've been a lead pastor for 11 years. I was also raised in a pastor's home. I've always been in the ministry. But the focus group included several people who are not pastors. And their contributions to the discussion were so valuable. But do you know what I felt about the non-pastors from time to time as we were all discussing? I felt... You don't deserve to have an opinion. (laughs) I found myself thinking things like, they've never pastored. They don't know what it's like. 
I was tempted to allow their lack of personal experience to negate their very valuable contributions. Now, thankfully, I was able to restrain myself from ruining a fruitful discussion. You should know that. It went really well. But do you know what I mean? Have you, have you been there in a, in a moment where you're, you're like, like, for example, um, maybe some women can relate when men are talking about childbirth. Like, you're probably just like, shut your mouth. <laughs> you got me into this. I mean, it's just, yeah. <laughs> or like when non-married people give, like, marriage advice. <laughs> you, know, I mean, you know that feeling of just like, or like advice on, um, you know, our, our culture loves to know everything and to tell our teachers and administrators how things should be done, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, or comments about preaching from those who've never preached. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. For example. <laughs> yeah. Humans tend towards thinking along the lines of getting what you deserve or earning a right to speak developing hierarchy in which people who are, you know, qualified are able to speak to, you know, the rest of people. And then what we're going to find is when it comes to money, these thoughts, expectations, mindsets come out regularly. You have what you deserve. You get what you deserve. We tend to have this impulse that everything should operate on a system of fairness. But Jesus' kingdom is very different than how we are used to operating. Our place at the table in the Jesus community um, comes from our given dignity, our dignity that has been given to us inherently as we were created in the image and likeness of Jesus and then restored by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Scott Callendine is a church planter up in Everett, and we support him as a church, and he's going to speak next week. I'm really excited for Scott to speak uh, next week. He commented on this message, and he said this. He said, our dignity comes from our humanity Our humanity comes from being made in the image of God, which Jesus fully restores to right relationship. So God has given us this dignity in our community, and it takes us a whole lifetime to understand the ramification of these concepts, integrate them into our lives, to walk them out. Jesus, by his word, by his spirit, by his body, who is us, helps us to unlearn things that we've learned about the way the world operates, challenges certain preconceptions and assumptions that we make about life and the world, and Jesus does it by his word through stories. A little parable today from Jesus that helps us, challenges us, and probably subverts or undoes Um, some of the ways that we think about the world. So as always, when we go to the scriptures, be ready for Jesus to make you uncomfortable. It's good. It's better. But it's not always intuitive or easy.
Okay, Jesus said, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So let's read the parable that Jesus told that led to this famous line. Picking up Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. All seems normal and fine at the time. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and he saw some people standing around doing nothing. <laughs> Just a brief comment. <laughs> the story begins with undeserving people who are standing around doing nothing. Hmm, it's interesting. Okay, so the story goes on. So the owner hired them, telling them that he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard at noon, and again at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. And at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, he was in town again, and he saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. So the landowner told them, then go out and join the others uh, in the vineyard. So let's just give a brief summary here, summary. Um, some worked about 10 hours, some worked seven hours, some four hours, and some two hours. So that's where we're at in the story. Let's go on. Uh, that evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. Hmm. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner, as you would too. <laughs> the union says, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Let's say they all received $150 for the day's work. But it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair. Now, do you know that feeling in that point of view? Anybody? Yep, yeah, thank you. There's 30 honest people in the room. <laughs> so he answered them. And in the story, the master is, you know, kind of like the, the God figure. He answered one of them, friend, actually, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first now will be last. I hope you're thinking at this point of the things in the world which you interpret through the lens of fairness and earning and maybe are willing to consider how Jesus might be calling you into a different way. Let me explain a little bit further. Just some observations. Three things. First of all, Jesus is describing what the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, just to clarify and to undo some confusion, um, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, or also the kingdom of God, um, he is doing so in order to describe how his community of people are to be. Jesus is not describing the afterlife. That would be easy. He's like, oh, okay, when we die, that's how it's going to be. But actually, Jesus is describing 
among us, this is how it is to be. That those who are first now are last, and those who are last are first. He's explaining the upside down way, the very different way that his people are called into being and seeing with one another. And I hope that you are seeing and learning and grappling with how particularly different that is. We've called it the inverted kingdom, which is its opposite. So different. Second thing to point out, Jesus' kingdom is not based on fairness in the terms of the world. The kingdom of this world is based on as much fairness as possible. People get what they deserve. That's the idea. Or they should be able to get what they deserve. But not necessarily in Jesus' kingdom. Jesus' kingdom is based on mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Has there been a moment where, like, you know, I, I was pulled over by a police officer this summer. Did I tell you guys this? Another confession. Yeah, another confession. Yeah, Danya, what? Don't, don't even. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> I was going 75 miles an hour in the state of Idaho in a 65 mile an hour zone. Uh, yeah. And one of the state police pulled me over, and I thought, oh, I don't have any priors. <laughs> so I thought maybe I would get off. But he showed me no mercy. He gave me exactly what I deserved and then informed me that the state of Idaho is an absolute speed limit state in which any mile per hour over 65 miles an hour will be fined accordingly. And... I said, that's not what the kingdom of heaven is like. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> Grace, that would have been mercy if he would have just said, you know, you deserve this, but I'm going to send mercy. Grace would have been if he would have written me a $90 check. And I would have said, now that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Mercy and grace. In the kingdom of Jesus, we receive mercy by God first. Mercy in that all of us, you know, the wages of sin or death, we deserve. We just we're broken. We've rejected God. We're we're a mess. You're a mess. I'm a mess. But he withholds in mercy what we deserve. And then more than that, he gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us life and fullness and purpose and restoration and forgiveness and healing. And, and then we live into this reality that even in death, we are, we, are, we are wrapped up in the love of God. The third thing, Jesus' parable is unmistakably financial. The kingdom of Jesus will always redirect our behaviors around money. It just, it just will. 
you know, we can do the math quite easy. If you were paid $15 an hour for 10 hours of work, you will earn $150. If you were paid $150 for two hours, you are paid $75 an hour. <laughs> he's, he's, I mean, just immediately pressing, not pressing our noses as in to shame us, but like helping us to see that our money is tied up with how we see the world. And Jesus, with intention and persistence, he contradicts our money behaviors. We cannot be a part of the rule and reign of Jesus if our financial lives are not submitted to him. How we handle money. Um, Jesus will mess with you around money. He just will. Not, not for your shame, but f- for your freedom and for your maturity. Okay, we're going to do something a bit different this morning. Um, And I want to do some more of this going forward because I really enjoy hearing from you. So I'm going to give you three minutes. There's going to be a timer that comes up on the screen here. And um, would you pull up that slide because it has the questions that we want to respond to. There it is. Okay. So I want you to think about this passage and maybe text me your response over the next three minutes. That's not my personal number, but that's a number that I can get text messages from. Um, so, but yeah, so where is there some conflict for you in this passage? Like, where is this like, huh, I don't know. This fairness thing is really important to me. You can frame that in a question to me or a comment. Um, or where is there some clarity? In other words, you're like, yes, that affirms something that I'm learning or knowing. Or if you had another question, we're going to give you three minutes then I'm going to engage with some of the responses that come in, and, um, and then we'll move towards application. So this is participatory, and you have three minutes on your mark. Get set. Go. And it'll be quiet, so don't be disturbed by that.
I think my children are using this. Um. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Lots of good responses. All right. <laughs> Man. Okay. So, thank you. Somebody asked, a $90 check, instead of paying a ticket, how then would people learn their lesson? Let's just let that hang in the room. Yeah? It's a good question. Here's one, and some of you might relate to this. What if you always seem to be the 10-hour-day worker? Does God just think I'm stubborn, strong, or maybe lazy? Yeah. These are good thoughts. Another person asked the question, why is it that we live in a world of fairness, yet we are only expected to be graceful? Hmm. How is that balance found? Good question. Somebody said, we've always been generous, always tithe when we had a lot and when we had a little, but now we have nothing. And it feels as if we are not being given a door for provision during this difficult time. See what this is striking with people. And this is, thank you. Another person said, I actually have the biggest struggle with people who are like the first workers. Why, and she's asked this question, why can't we be glad for one another rather than angry and resentful? I know we are all learning, but I have the hardest time being gracious towards those folks who demand fairness. <laughs> That's just great awareness. Hey. I appreciate that. I'm going to read this one. I think others in the room might. Yeah, we probably see this or a conflict. This passage makes me immediately think of governmental issues that I personally struggle with. I fully agree that we are called to use our money for the kingdom of God and in kindness, but I struggle with the concept of those who do not work, um, um, who do not choose to work and then get my hard-earned money via taxes. 
how might I rationalize that in light of God's kingdom and putting government on the back burner of my mind? It's a great question. You notice I'm not answering them. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's several, there's lots more. So I'm. Hmm. Here's a part of what, here's another one, and I think this is probably one that I guess would encapsulate some of what we, we feel around this. To be honest, I struggle with enabling those who do not do it for themselves, but wait for others to give handouts. Doesn't the Bible say we need not to be lazy? I understand the parable about God's grace and mercy for the kingdom of heaven, but it's hard for me to wrap my head around this when it comes to actual work or actual lives. Yep. Hmm. I think it's, I mean, there's many more. There's, there's many more. But I think it's clear that this, is a, this causes us to wrestle and have to think through and to process. And I, I think as it should. Okay. <clears throat> um, we're going to have a bit of application time here in a few moments, and I might give some response during that time. What I want to move us towards is some tangible ways that we can maybe begin to express this um, probably can't attend to all of the dynamics, you know, the living in the real world, as it were, and this parable, and how, do, how does that, does it fit? And maybe a good question would be, does this parable encapsulate everything that the scriptures say? Um, it doesn't, but it points us in a direction. So we don't want to be guilty of just hearing the word um, and not doing anything. So we'd like to take a few moments and offer some application, and then after a couple of concrete things, um, give a little bit more time for some interaction uh, around, yeah, what we're what is in the room, which is a lot, it's a lot. Okay, um, first of all, over the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing about some holiday giving opportunities, um, and this parable about you know, reaching to the last is an opportunity for us to step through that thing of asking, you know, who deserves my gifts and who doesn't, but rather to step in obedience in the kingdom. And so um, here, there's the handout that Donya mentioned. Um, there, we have all the events that are on, you know, for the holidays. Put those on your calendar. And then the giving opportunities that are coming. We have four specific giving opportunities that we're inviting you into. Um, soon, you'll be seeing all those giving opportunities over here on the wall, and it'll be very clear of how you participate with this. But I want you to be praying now, particularly if you're somebody that is wrestling with, like, um, I don't want to enable others, I don't want to, you know, and so, I, so maybe come to a point of, like, withholding. 
this is a great opportunity to step into and give over um, of your resources for the sake of others who need grace and, and mercy. Um, so that will be coming, and you can start praying about that. They're listed right in the handout there. And on that note, in terms of giving um, and uh, making a big difference, we have a special opportunity coming up. And uh, we love the body of Christ as expressed in all sorts of churches. And today we have two guests from Emmanuel Lutheran um, in Silverton, and they are spearheading a community-wide hope and healing celebration on Sunday, January 15th that we're going to we're inviting our church to participate with as well. And as a part of that celebration, churches will be raising money to pay off $7.2 million of medical debt in the state of Oregon. And John and Donna are going to share more with us. Would you welcome John and Donna to the stage to tell us a bit more about that? All right. Take it away, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Isaac. Thank you, New Hope, for having us here today. What a treat for us to come and worship with you. Um, yes, we are here to invite you. I want to tell you a little bit of background. Um, our pastor uh, shared with us one Sunday after, uh, morning. She said, tell me, who are you most comfortable with? Are you most comfortable with Father God? Are you comfortable with Jesus Christ, or are you more comfortable with the Holy Spirit? Because whichever one that is may, may direct you of where you have a place of worship. And I'd never thought about it that way before, but they're all the Trinity, and we all worship the Trinity. And um, it was just one of those things I thought, we have that in common. And then our other pastor, the next Sunday, he started talking about uh, where Jesus talks to Peter in John 21 about feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And um, he didn't say feed this flock or feed that flock. He said feed my sheep. And together with those two sermons, it, it caused me to think that uh, we are all God's people and despite everything we've gone through, we've gone through a worldwide pandemic. We've gone through extreme weather changes that's, you know, put us out of power and had lots of things happening. We've had uh, political division and we've had isolation. And um, there's just been a lot of hurtful things. And I thought, what better time to pull together God's people right now? We are a large group of people and we need to come together to praise God and to worship. And so with that in mind, we are planning a um, multi-denominational service in January where we're going to have uh, some great speakers and we're going to have some great music. You guys have a great praise band here. I'm, I'm so jealous. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Um, but we're going to have some testimonies and we're going to have a time for prayer, uh, for hope and healing. And we just hope that uh, you all come because uh, it's a great time to pull together as God's people. And we're also going to have a fundraiser, which John is going to talk to you about. Thank you, Donna. Thank you for having us. I feel a little bit like this is a tuxedo and I'm a pair of brown shoes. 
I'm not sure I fit up here, but anyway, uh, our plan is to pay off all of the secondary debt that we can assemble in Oregon. I'll have to explain to you what is secondary debt. Uh, when you go to the doctor or the hospital, uh, you will get a bill, and you and your insurance will split that bill, and that will be the end of it. For some of us, that's not the end of it. We don't have insurance, and we don't have the capability to pay it. That bill then goes to a collection agency, and they do everything. These are the hard-nosed boys. They're the ones that tell you we've taken off the rose-colored glasses. We're going to garnishee your check. Maybe we'll take your firstborn. When they have done all that they can, then they sell the debt to the secondary market. And that's the debt that we're looking at. That debt is sold for as low as 0.8 pennies on the dollar or 1.2 pennies on the dollar. Now, we've got the debt, and how do we get to that? An organization called RIP, Medical Debt, buys up and does the legal work to make that debt accessible to us. There's a myriad of questions that have to be answered, steps that have to be taken so that that debt can be paid and the recipient of our largeness does not have a tax bill. Now, two of us, Donna and I, Donna came to our church and asked if she could use the church for a hope session. I guess my part is the healing section. We have checked out this organization, RIP Medical Debt, they're called. I invite you to visit their website. Uh, we have looked, we have done diligence. The money you give, 100% of it will be used to pay down debt. Um, now, uh, we'll raise money and we'll do it a couple of ways. One, you can give money here at your church. And if you give it to the church and designate it as for uh, this region's community Christians, uh, it will go in and be recognized as New Hope on the website. New Hope has given this much. You can give your own debt and then you will see on the website uh, your name and the amount of money you gave. If you want to be anonymous, you can do that. If you want to give Donna and I money, you'll never see us. <laughs> We will give you a receipt, and that receipt is run through Emmanuel Lutheran Church, uh, and it is a tax-deductible receipt. As the money man in this crew, uh, we, have to, we have to have an exact record and accounting, and we have to offer you a tax deduction. We will then turn that money in, and you will see it as given by the churches of this region. Uh, that takes care of how it gets there. Then RIP takes over and they pay the debt. And when they pay the debt, uh, it is forgiven and they send to those debtors and some of them, they can't pay it. Uh, and uh, a, a medical debt is unplanned for, untimely, and never when you want it. Uh, they get a letter and we will share those letters with you. The letters are gut-wrenching and heartwarming the things these people tell us about having this debt relifted from their shoulders. You know what it is, you know how to give. Uh, we're going to culminate with, with a uh, hope and healing celebration 
at the church on the hill. Address is 303? Church, North Church. North Church. And if we have reached our goal, which is to pay off $7.2 million worth of debt with pennies on the dollar, we'll simply be a celebration. If we haven't reached our goal, the money man here will pass the plate as many times as it takes. We will make the goal. Thank you very much for having us. Uh, we hope you'll join and help us. I will say that the first clergy we dealt with was Pastor Isaac, and he did give us hope. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. Tremendous opportunity coming up uh, for us. And you can imagine being the recipients of that letter. Somebody who's carried that and felt the guilt and the shame or the constriction of that, and their debt will be erased. What a great thing for us to participate with. And that is one of the things that we will um, be collecting money for as a part of our holiday giving. Thank you.